Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. And uh, we're going to read a verse in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Let's read this verse together as I preach a message this morning entitled, How to Avoid Destruction. How to Avoid Destruction. Proverbs 13 and verse 3. Let's read it aloud. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Ruin. Dissolution, dissolved, broken apart. That's the life that results in someone that speaks without thought, without discernment, without understanding. Thank you. You may be seated. God himself, they said, could not sink this ship. As they boasted of man's ingenuity in 1912, the men who built the ship, the civilized world, the credulous public, all believed and boasted that the ship was unsinkable. But God was not mocked. It is said that when the captain gave the order to abandon ship, many passengers simply could not believe that the Titanic was actually sinking and refused to board the lifeboats. And the crew was almost criminally complacent. So 1,528 men, women, and children plunged into the depths. Destruction. One writer said, we are clearly living in an upside-down world where right is wrong and wrong is right, where good is evil and evil is good. Wake up, America. The great unsinkable ship, Titanic America, has hit an iceberg, is taking on water, and is sinking fast. Let's be reminded this morning of Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty and lofty or arrogant spirit before a fall. Just like others could have and should have avoided destruction, we can if we will look to the Lord through his word. What does God say about this matter of destruction and how we can avoid it? I want you to take some notes and I want you to write this down if you will. Number one, God wants us to avoid destruction by guarding your heart. By guarding your heart. It's been said, better to keep your mouth closed and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 7 reminds us there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Wisdom helps us to know the difference. When to speak, when not to speak. The Bible says here, he that keepeth, you guard it. You don't just say something and then think about it. You think about it and maybe you don't say it at all. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. Think about how they're coordinated and correlated here. People say, well, I just say it like I see it. I just say it like I feel it. And and I just say what I want to say. 
but yet they bring certain heartaches into their lives and they don't even see the correlation. You're losing the, the joy, the purpose, the influence for good and for God, the impact of your life. Sometimes little by little, sometimes with big uh, gashes, you lose in areas that you never would have thought because you simply said what you should not have said. What the mind thinks and the heart feels, the mouth reveals. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, O generation of vipers, snakes, you're speaking with a divided and poisonous tongue. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So that's why we go back to the heart, by guarding your heart. Because what's in your heart What's in your head, your thoughts, is ultimately going to come out your mouth. Guard your heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It all comes from your heart, from within, the Bible says. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have what? Destruction, there it is. Destruction. You're bringing sorrows upon your life because you're speaking unadvisedly or ill-advised. You're saying things that do not build up but tear down. You're saying things that do not give life but give death. How are you using your words? I'm going to tell you this is for us all to be checked by today. We all have room for improvement in this realm. What are we doing in this regard to use our words to magnify, to exalt the Lord, the Bible says, with one mind and one mouth even, not just individually, but together, coordinated as the people of God. We're going to glorify God. We're going to honor the Lord. Avoid destruction by guarding your heart. Number two, avoid destruction by giving yourself to do what God says. By giving yourself to do what God says. Notice in verse 12. Hope deferred, things that are drawn out or delayed in our minds on our timetable. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire, the longing of the heart cometh, it is a tree of life. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is help or health. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. Think about this. By giving yourself to do what God says, 
Verse 13, whoso despiseth the word, you don't need it, you don't want it, you don't value it, you just can't bear to hear it any longer or any more. You've had all you can take. You have developed a contempt for the word of God and the truth or for correction or instruction. You've made up your mind you're going to believe what you're going to believe. You're going to do what you're going to do. And that's just this sentiment. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't know about you, but those with a heart for God, I've learned through the years, they want to hear what God has to say. And they want to hear it time and time again because we've learned and valued that the word of God is the very pathway to truth and the pathway to liberty and true freedom is the pathway to life. The words that I speak unto you, Jesus said, they are life. Think about that. The word of God is powerful, life-giving, life-changing. So, He says here in verse 13, the latter part, he that feareth the commandment shall be what? Rewarded. That means you respect, you regard the commands of God. You look to what God says, you want to know what God says, so you can do what God says. And when you find what God says, by God's help, you're going to say, Lord, strengthen me and help me to do what you say. I want to simply obey you. That really is the bottom line summary of the Christian life. Trust and obey. That's what God wants. That's what he's looking for. That's why we need to study the word of God so we can know the word of God and what God expects of us and by the way, what we're going to be held accountable for in that day. If you get pulled over out here on Old Charlotte Highway and the police officer says you were going 60 miles an hour and you say, oh wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know the speed limit was 45. He's going to say this. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. It's your job to know what the speed limit is. And it's my job to hold you accountable for breaking it. God's going to hold us accountable for his word and what he says. And so we see how God gives us the correlation here of blessing versus cursing. The blessed life, the one that is advanced versus the life that is hindered or held back or just sidetracked altogether. Just give yourself to do what God says. Lord, I want to not only trust you, but I want to obey you. I love your word. I embrace it. I see that is a fountain of life, verse 14. It preserves my life even. It keeps me. It garrisons and guards me. It gives me understanding and knowledge to know what to do with my life. It is the word of God. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There's a freedom in living and walking in the light of the word of God. Think about that. And the word of God will always stand. No matter what we say and do or not, others, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. And what God says goes. What God says is the only thing that in the end is unchanging. It will ever be true if God has ever said it. In the year 303, the Roman emperor Diocletian inaugurated 
the most terrific onslaught the world has ever known against the Bible, one writer said. Almost every Bible was destroyed. Myriads of Christians perished and a column of triumph was erected over an exterminated Bible with the inscription, the names of the Christians have been extinguished. Think of that. And yet by the year 325, another Roman emperor, Constantine, enthroned the Bible as the infallible judge of truth in the first general council. I'll tell you, People can attack the Bible. People can try to destroy it. But they have been destroyed by the Bible instead. The Bible stands like a rock undaunted mid the raging storms of time. Its pages burn with the truth eternal and they glow with a light sublime. We will do well and be wise to do what the Bible says. How many of you have seen or heard stories of houses burning, everything burned but the Bible. That was a picture of such a one this week. A young evangelist and his family lost their home to a fire, but that's what they found inside the home, that Bible. My mother's house burned years ago, and everything was gutted within, and yet we found there her Bible, and I have it in my office. I'll tell you, the Bible stands Give your life to know and do that which never dies, that which cannot be defeated, that which will never perish. That is, thus saith the Lord, the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You say, Pastor, I I want to avoid destruction. Well, God is saying right here, uh, be careful what you say. Watch your words. Guard your heart. Give yourself to do what God says, to learn it, to know it, so you can obey it. Number three, avoid destruction by governing your relationships. Governing your relationships. Notice verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be what? Wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. There it is again. When God repeats a word or a theme in the scriptures, it's always there we learn for emphasis sake. God is trying to say, now I'm telling you, I'm laying before you life and death, heaven and hell. I'm laying before you blessing and cursing. I'm laying before you a life that will prosper or a life that will be destroyed. The word destroyed here in verse 20 literally means to be uh, marred by breaking the scar of sin, the scar of those that don't know God or don't have a heart for God, pleading with you to cast your lot with them. Come and go with us. You can read of those in Proverbs chapter 1. Oh, be careful who you cast your lot with. The word govern here means to oversee and direct. Don't be someone who is so naive and gullible that you just go along to get along. And you're so easily influenced. And you do what everybody around you is doing because you want to be accepted. No, find your acceptance in Christ. Find your confidence and strength and your identity in the Lord so you can stand on your own two feet when you have to. Because those days are coming for us all. 
Stand upon the word of God, hold to his promise, and you'll find the God of the promise holding to you. That is the assurance that God gives us. If we walk with wise men, we shall be wise. Character is consistent. And like character attracts like character. I tell you, if you have a heart for God, you'll want to be around those who have a heart for God too. And can I encourage our young people here today as well as us adults, don't give your heart to someone who has not given his or her heart to the Lord. Someone who is holding out on God, they don't want God to govern their lives. They don't want God to direct them and determine what they do and don't do. They have no time for the word of God. They just avoid it like it's something to suppress them and and just to hold them back. They don't see it's exactly opposite. It is the pathway to true freedom true power and confidence and liberty and life itself. They're blinded by their own pride and self-will. Be careful, be careful casting your lot among them. Govern your relationships. You develop a heart for God. And here's what I've learned. Not only those who have a heart with God will they find you, but those who don't won't want to be around you. I learned that firsthand. You just get excited about God and those who are not, they're like, (laughs) see you around, man. Take care. I'm telling you. You say, well, I struggle just being around the right people. I'll tell you, it's a heart matter. God's telling you right now. If you follow those who are walking away from God and following their heart instead of his heart, you are going to go down a path of destruction because there is a way that seemeth right in a man, but the end thereof. Don't just think about right now, but I want friends, I want acceptance, I I, I want someone to value me and and make me feel like I'm important. Right here, this is what I have, but where will it end? Where is it going to take you? The end thereof are the ways of what? Death. It's destruction. Oh, be careful who you run with. Govern your relationships according to the word of God and what's right and true with a heart for the Lord. Because the Bible says in verse 21, evil pursueth sinners. Think of that. They think they're pursuing their sin, but in reality, their sin is pursuing them. It's hold, it's power, it's grip, it's consequence, it's loss. Is destruction. But to the righteous, good shall be repaid. Verse 22, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. If you get it by just gain, God will bless it and multiply it and use it to bless those who come after you. But whatever you get by heaping to yourself at the expense of doing what is right before God and what is good for others, I'll tell you, you're going to surrender it at some point. That's that's what God says. That's how God works. Much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that that is destroyed for want of judgment. There it is. Think about it. Much food is in the cupboards. It's in, in the pantry. You've got much food in storage and put back uh, of those. The thought here is the Freshly plowed, that which they have worked to produce and provide for themselves that they've been able to gather and then store. But there is destroyed for the want 
of judgment. There's that. Number four, how are you going to avoid destruction? By getting wisdom to make good decisions. Wisdom to make good decisions. You know, there's some people who don't have a lot of this world's goods, but they're not foolish with their decision making. There are some that have a whole lot, but they don't have good judgment. The word judgment here is verdict, discretion, determination, common sense. Is that not something we're missing in our world today? I mean, we're collectively losing our minds. People just don't even have sense, much less common sense. Things that people basically understood in our history and saw that was right or saw that was good. People just, it, they miss it all together today. And so he says here, I want you to get wisdom to make good decisions because there's some people, that's why they suffer destruction or ruin in their lives because they just don't seek God. They are spiritually dense. They don't have the sense that God would give them easy, freely, clearly, and they just go about with all kinds of waste and squander and indulgence. And they don't have anything. It destroys them. The word destroyed here in verse 23 means to be diminished or scattered. That which they have, it doesn't increase, it doesn't multiply, but it's taken from, it's subtracted away from, it's diminished, it, it goes away, it's just scattered. And they're like, wow, I mean, goodness, I don't have anything. Because they've left the wisdom of God out. Don't make bad decisions, he's saying here. You need wisdom to know what to do with your life, where to go with your life, how to spend your time, your talent, your treasure, how to keep your word, how to humble yourself, how to work through difficulties, how to learn from bad decisions. I heard the story of a man who was successful. And someone asked him, how did you accomplish so much with your life? He said, good decisions. And then the question was asked, how did you learn to make good decisions? He said, bad decisions. I was someone who was willing to learn from my mistakes. Some of us, we have to be honest and ask ourselves, will we ever learn? We just keep repeating the same mistakes, the same error over and over again, and yet still justify it, still rationalize it, still excusing it, still shifting the responsibility for that on someone else, and we never learn. Oh, the folly of that, the destruction of that, the diminishing of that, and all the increase and all the blessings you could be enjoying that God would be sending your way, but yet it's just squandered and yet it's just wasted and it's diminished and all of a sudden one day you look around and it's gone. It's like, wow, what happened? You never learn from your mistakes. Sometimes it's hard for us to admit them, much less accept the fact that, hey, I could be wrong here. I could have erred. This could have been all on me. Maybe it's, it is my fault. So I've got to own my decisions here take responsibility for my actions and I've got to make some corrections and I've got to learn from this. Are you learning from your mistakes? Are you learning from other people's mistakes? 
That's important. God wants us to get wisdom to make good decisions. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 22 says, For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? He's speaking of those that are giving to a moving point of reference, not a fixed point of reference of God's word, but those given to change. Everything's up for grabs. Nothing is settled or for sure. The word ruin there means to pierce as in misfortune. They cannot imagine how vulnerable and exposed they make themselves when they walk away from God's fixed point of reference in his word. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. The word ruin here means to overthrow, to take down, to defeat. There are those who have all kinds of snares in their own heart that has been given there or put there or somehow sown there through time. Fear, insecurity, doubt, worry, jealousy, strife. All of those things churning in someone's heart sometimes causes them to set their designs on the demise and destruction of someone else. So God says, be careful there. Be careful being around those who are not fully honest. Those who flatter to gain an advantage. You know, God says, let's just be truthful and trustworthy among ourselves. No smoke and mirrors, no games. We don't have to shade the truth and we don't have to embellish it to make it something it's not so we can be accepted or people might not be on to our schemes. And our true intent of our heart then will be veiled. We need to be careful there because all that genders is ruin, destruction. I read a book that I did a review on during my master's training in education, it was entitled Repairing the Ruins, edited by Douglas Wilson. He spoke of how logic needs to be taught in our schools. Because God is a God of order, he said, logic is an attribute of God as are justice, mercy, wisdom, and knowledge. We must teach logic as a separate class. And he talks about how that could be done in our schools. We should challenge students to reason and honestly question things. Logic is a foundational truth to rhetoric. It's obviously at the core of philosophy along with aesthetics, ethics, metaphysics, and epistemology. It is foundational to these disciplines because it is used in studying them. Logic and apologetics go hand in hand. Inductive and deductive are two forms of logic. Inductive reasoning moves from specific instances into a generalized conclusion, while deductive reasoning moves from a generalized principles that are known to be true to a true and specific conclusion. See, we're not even teaching our generation of young people how to think. How to have a foundation and then build on that foundation. They have all kind of competing thoughts and ideas and agendas, and so I'm now for this, this day, and then I'm for... But it's all a contradiction because it doesn't have any continuity, congruity about it. And we're wondering why. Our society is literally going mad, losing its mind, 
destroying itself, self, self imploding, self destruction. Why is it? See, we've left God out. We can't even think clearly, honestly, truthfully, consistently. I heard this years ago. One preacher said, sin makes man a, a contradiction unto himself. And I had to meditate on that. But as I did, I thought, boy, that's true. Our own thoughts and words and actions and desires begin to run into each other. And we find no true peace. No true purpose in life. Proverbs 21 verse 12 says, The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked. Takes it to heart. Those who leave God out of their lives. Because God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. We'll never prosper long term in leaving God out of our lives. In the late 18th century Poland, the Kaiser forces were burning all Jewish villages. One village had been burned and nothing was left standing. As the sun came up the next morning, an old Jewish gentleman pounded a few boards together, made a cellar stall, and opened it up for business. A young, young man walked past, stared in disbelief, and asked, What are you selling among these ruins? The man smiled and said, I'm selling hope. You can sell water on a dry desert, so the place to sell hope is on an ash heap of destruction. You know, some of us today, we're standing in the ashes of what was or what might have been. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ today, he's not selling hope. He's giving hope away freely. And the reason he can give it away is because he's already paid our sin debt on the cross. And if you're looking for hope, true hope in this world, you will find it in him because there is nothing else that is or anyone else that is a fixed point of reference that you can not only build your life here upon but stake your eternity upon I think about those who know the Lord today. For some of us, we think of, oh, what some have lost. But think of this. Oh, what some have gained through their loss. Isaiah 61 and verse 3, God says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. In the end, we have an adversary who would love to destroy you, your family, our witness, our testimony, our effectiveness for God, even as a local church. Why? It's not altogether about us. It's about the glory that will no longer be offered through our lives to our God. And there's a point here to where we're going to have to say, Lord, I don't want that taken from me. I've, I've lost enough. One thing I don't want to knowingly and willingly surrender is you getting glory somehow through my life. My burdens, my brokenness, my disappointments, my bad decisions, whatever it may be, Lord, 
I want you to get glory. Help me to walk in your light so that I can avoid these different paths of destruction. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.